0: There were so many thoughts that went through my head when I sat down to write the report for my first Margie Gessick 100 mountain bike race. So many lessons, successes, failures, and new experiences on the trail. Riding terrain, drops, and jump lines I've never ridden before. Hiking down sections of trail that I was too chicken to ride or up steep grades that I just didn't have the legs for. My hands were calloused and blistered. My feet hurt. My legs ached and my right knee was in pain. My knee hurt for hours, mile after mile. At some point it stopped getting worse or, I don't know, maybe my hands started hurting more or maybe it was the bottoms of my feet from the running and then hiking up and down the steep grades with a bike. In the final miles, I could barely hold myself up on my bike. There were moments that I could only take a couple steps at a time. The pain was real and the suffering was deep. I'd get the best footing I could with my cleats on the rocks and push my bike up as far as I could hold the brakes, and then take two steps of pain and do it all over again until I reach the top. I don't know how to explain to somebody what the body and mind is going through out there, but if you've ever entered the arena and towed that start line, whether finishing or not, I don't have to explain it to you. You know what I'm talking about. There was a moment that I wasn't sure if I was actually going to make it to the finish line, and I was only halfway in. Hey, thanks for tuning in to my new podcast. The Endurance Path Podcast with me, Steve. This is episode nine. If you're just getting caught up, or maybe this is the first time tuning in, uh, there's eight other episodes out there. The first one is the launch episode. very short. And then I believe the next three episodes were all old race reports from 2014, the first year that uh, I guess I was doing some blogging and writing writing reports about my races. And really, I guess the first year that I did... uh, you know, uh, uh, multiple races. Um, I had done some racing that the, I did a race the year before that, but, uh, 2014, I guess was the, the year I had done at least a handful or so. Uh, anyways, and then I recommend going back and listening to episode five. That was, uh, an audio, uh, recap of my July training. That's something that, uh, most likely will happen every month uh, but, uh, I had been doing written reports on those and I'm still going to keep those up, but, uh, in the audio, I kind of dive deeper into kind of some of the training stuff I was doing, what was going on, uh, my, my plans, potential change of race plans and that kind of thing. And it's, it's a little, uh, a little more off the cuff, I guess, than going to the written, written ones. And then after that, there's uh, a few more race reports. Uh, I had went back to 2016 and kicked out a race report from the Orta Shore. Uh, I had also went in and, uh, well, I actually raced myself, actually, right? So I did the Wilderness 101 out in Pennsylvania uh, less than a month ago. That was actually the the last episode. That was episode eight. And then uh, since the Mata Hay... 100 was happening. That happened less than a month. I went ahead and kicked out an audio version of that old race report. Anyway, so there's a lot of stuff out there for you to listen to if you're into listening to the race reports. I recommend listening to episode five, kind of give you an idea of what the upcoming monthly recaps would be. As like anything, things will change over time and figure out a better way to do things and and that type of thing. So, Episode nine. The Margie Gesick 100. This is my 2016 race report from the Margie. So let's start off by talking about the course. This this is a true mountain bike race course. It um, it actually in my race report I had written this is the truest of mountain bike race courses. There's big climbs. There's rock gardens. There's it's ruddy, natural trails. Uh, there's flowy single track. There's rocky descents. There's uh, just unforgiving single track, relentless climbs. Um, you know, and and so you know, there's like 600 foot climbs, and, and folks that are maybe out east, they're used to climbing stuff a lot longer than that. But the uh, you're just you're going up or down all day, and I've done i've I've done enough races to kind of get a taste of some of the other things that are out there, but you know a lot of times in races, you you know you'll climb and then you'll have a downhill and you'll have some gravel and fire roads, and you know, and then you duck back into some single track and whatnot. Most of the downhills in this race, you're working. Um, some some of the downhills are harder than the uphills they they'll be uh, it's just just the way it is. and so, I've been asked uh, a lot of questions about this race. And, and most recently when I was I was out to the Wilderness 101, I had some people ask me like why, what why is that is it, is it really that hard? Like what why is it why is it so, what makes it so hard? And it's just you know, look if you look at the elevation profile it's it's like I said you're going up or down all day and those downhills are not free trail. Um I think uh it was it was Carrie Lowry that's uh that said that uh you know there's no free trail. And it's true there there isn't. I mean there was uh toward the beginning of the race I think there was one gravel or uh fire road that uh you came downhill and you got a little bit of break there. Uh you know you stepped uh jumped out on some pavement for about a half mile at one point. And there was a very short section of, of rail trail, um, you know, maybe a couple hundred yards of road leading up to that. And it, so there, it was very, very little relaxation in this race. That's why it, it took so long. So one of the other races I've done, that's taken me over 12 hours, uh, to to me, like just about 12 hours, I think, um, was the, the Mata 100 and a lot, a lot of that is, uh, due to the heat. So the, the Margie Gessick took me like 1225 and I was in better shape for the Margie than, uh, I was for the, the Mata Hay, which would have been a, a whole year prior. And, you know, it took me a little bit longer to do the Margie and temperatures are fantastic for, for racing. So it's just a, it's a rugged. I mean, there, there is a lot of rocks, there's a lot of roots and there's, it's, uh, there's, there's flow trails with jump lines and, uh, a lot of climbing, climbing over rocks. Um, yeah, I mean, it's everything. It's, it's a, it's an awesome mountain bike race. I guess the simplest way to put it, put it together out there. So I did a little video for my, my drop bag setup, but I'll talk about this real quick and I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to the video. Cause I know that there's been a lot of questions because, um, there's no race supported aid stations. So my, uh, my plan was really simply, I don't want to go back to the whole thing so you can watch the video, but I guess I'll tell you what I, my plans probably would be this for this year, or at least, um, what I did last year, what worked and what didn't. So there was, you could leave a drop bag and your drop bag would be sitting in the park in, I, th- I think it's Nagani uh, at the 65 mile mark. If I remember correctly, That was more about, more like mile 69 or 70 than 65. Uh, But my intention was to run Carbo Rocket in my hydration pack, which I did, and a water bottle. And then I figured, well, I'll I'll grab some water somewhere. You know, there was rumors of uh, a volunteer aid station at the park that was at the 40-some mile mark or, or whatnot, so... And I'll get into that, into the race. But yeah, I mean, for those that are planning this race and, and whatnot, um, when, whenever we popped out of a, a trail, I, I think this was at the 30 some miles in when we kind of went through the bridge tunnel under the highway one, there was a volunteer aid station set up there. And then there was people all over the road for the next hundred feet or something. That I mean, I talked to other other folks that were doing the race. They're like, oh yeah, I just stop by and some stranger filled my water bottle up. Um, but it's, it's, uh, I don't, I don't, there's, there's, you know, I don't think you're going to run into issues with, with that, but be prepared. I mean, be ready to take care of yourself for sure. So my plan will probably be, still be the same. I mean, I'll carry a two liter hydration pack. I'll probably have some type of, a uh, uh, liquid fuel in there. Um, most likely a carbo rocket. Although I'm interested in trying out some other things just cause I like to, like to try other, try other stuff out, see what's out there. Who knows if I'll do that on race day. Um, but, uh, and then I'll have a plain water bottle on my frame and I'll, I'll fill that up as needed. One thing that I will probably do is carry some carbo rocket powder in a bag in my Jersey though, one of my Jersey pockets, uh, because I, I, I went through my carbo rocket pretty fast. I mean, you're always, you're always working in this race. Um, and so the I mean was, I think the three first three hours, three and a half hours just felt like it was pretty intense, and I burned through a lot of fuel so um i i uh I topped off my hydration pack at the mountain bike trails for the i think it's the south trails the trailhead there there was a huge volunteer aid station there, and I wish I would have had some carbo rocket powder to fill that up because the ride from there to Nagani took a little longer than I had anticipated so in my race report, there's a link to the video that kind of shows what I had put together. Let's jump into the the race a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. We're just gonna dive in. So, <clears throat> in my race report, I wrote in here right. So I lined up about, and there's a picture too. My my wife, had got a good picture, but I lined up about three rows back. And uh, I don't know. I just make some comments about this. I'm not, I won't read this through here verbatim. Uh, some of the stuff in the report, I'll I'll actually probably just like read. Um, uh, because this was a year ago and then some things I'll, I'll have some, some pretty good memories of it and some extra thoughts that I'm going to want to add to it and some additional commentary. So, um, I'll, we'll roll through it that way, play it by ear. If you've listened to some of the other race reports, you'll realize that that that's kind of how it goes. But anyways, I was, uh, not that far from, from Tinker Juarez. So that was the big deal, right? Tinker Juarez was going to be up here for this race. And, uh, a few things that I had mentioned in this race report was, you know, if you had told me uh a few years prior to that that I would have even been lining up for a race like this I would have said no way and and then if you would have told me that I would have been lining up in a race a, a row or two back from from Tinker I would have been like yeah right so one of the the really cool things about mountain bike racing is it's one of those few sports that you get to line up at the same start line, same day, same time, same playing field as the a pro or a top level athlete, or even some of the best athletes in the world, um, and actually compete on the exact same playing field at the exact same time. Now. They may disappear out in front of you quickly. So you may not be racing wheel to wheel with them, but you get to test yourself on the same course, same time, same day, and see where you stand. There's not you can't do that in basketball, right? Uh, you you can't do that in in football. You can't do that in in most sports. You you don't have that opportunity. Um, I think that's a very unique thing about mountain bike racing, or it really actually a lot of things, right? Uh, whether that's uh, Ironman or or uh, running or trail running, whatever it is. It's a pretty unique things about some of those endurance sports that you get to race the same day, race, same course and, and whatnot as, as, as the top athletes. Uh, so anyways, that was pretty cool. Sitting, uh, standing there at the start line of the Margie Gessick 100 in Michigan's UP, just a few feet behind Tinker Juarez. So the national anthem was played, bottle rockets went off, and uh, we started our run. So this was not like a short 50-yard dash. I have no idea what it'll be this year. I hope they actually do keep um, this the good kind of Le Mans run on there. It was actually 0.4 miles. So I know for runners... That's not a long ways, right? Like less than a half a mile, but, uh, 0. 0.4 miles in your, uh, cycling shoes before you're about to take off hundred plus miles of truly rugged mountain bike racing. Um, it's kind of a, kind of a big deal. Uh, I know there's, there's some people who are like, I only run for Margie and stuff like that. Right. And I think there were some stickers going around, uh, too about the, the 0.4 mile. But I, I think it was kind of a playoff of, you see the stickers for the, you know, the half marathon and marathon distances and stuff. But anyways, kind of entertaining. I had a, I had a good start, but there were a few guys that really took off and I had, I ri- had wrote this in my race report, but you know, we all know Tinker can ride, but the guy can run too. And, uh, I, I didn't see him after the first couple hundred feet. Um, I, I don't know how far out he went. I mean, I don't think he was the first guy through the run or anything like that, but, uh, I kept a steady pace around the, that running loop and then came out of it toward the front. Uh, I remember this, I gave, gave Danny Hill a high five as I ran across the field, grabbed my bike. I had actually carried my, uh, cause I'm kind of a nerd. Um, I carried my Garmin with me on the run just cause I was, I was curious. I just want to see what my heart rate was as I did the run before even getting on my bike. And, uh, and then I wanted to record the, the entire thing. Uh, I know some folks basically, they left their garment on their bike, obviously, and then they had started it and then just hit pause. So it was like all ready to go. And then when they jumped on their bike after the run, they just hit the start button again on it. I think some of that had to do with, cause they were loading the course up or whatnot. And I, I don't know if you have to, actually have to have to do that, but I do recommend, um, that being said, not to trail off of this too much, but ha- have a Garmin with you. I-, I mean, I, the course was marked, marked well last year and, uh, I mean, I, I definitely used my Garmin, uh, at times just to, it helped give me a heads up if I knew I was going to have to turn soon, you know, um, like, you know, when we did pop out on say, um, Popped out of a, a trail or you know it just as it was helpful in knowing that there was a turn coming up and I actually had this conversation with somebody at the the wilderness one o one and they're like, you know why why do you you know what's this the big deal about the garmin and whatnot and so I think you have to understand the different types of trail systems that are out there, so if you're not from the midwest and this this isn't saying that outside of the Midwest. It's not the same way, but so I've ridden places where like you can't get lost. You know, you get on a a piece of single track, right. And you can ride it for 10 miles. And then, you know, you pop out somewhere and then there was no option to take another trail, right. Or you, you may cross a road, but it's obvious that the trail continues on the other side of it. And then there's places that, you know, in a, Ten mile rides, you may come across four or five trail intersections or ATV trails or something like that, right? So, I would say, you know, up in Marquette County, between the entire distance that you're going to ride, there there's there's quite a few turns in different um, different places that that you would need signage. So there there was there was a lot of arrows. I mean, there was a lot of them. Uh, however, so I, I did have the map up and I, I would take a glance down it and just, if I was on a trail it kind of give me an idea if, like, if I came out on an ATV trail or a gravel road, or like when I hit that pavement that was between, um, Marquette and Nagani, I, I knew to be looking for a sign coming up. Cause I was like, Hey, am I going to be on this for a while? No, looks like there's a turn to the left coming up. And, I think I had heard of somebody that actually missed that turn when they were on that pavement as well. So, um, you know, anyways, I think you should have the Garmin, have the course loaded up. I think it's a good idea. Uh, my bet is the course will be marked well though. So anyways, a few thoughts on that, but, uh, anyways, so back to the race, I got on the bike, took off and, uh, my wife had told me that she was I still don't know for a fact if this is how it was all working, but I, I believe there was live timing. And I thought my wife said that she had, that they were catching your time as you were crossing the official start of the, the mountain bike course. So after you did the run, then you crossed the start line of the bike portion, right? And I had crossed the line in 36th place. So I, I got off to a pretty, pretty decent start, I guess. So, Now we're actually on the mountain bike race. So if you're reading through in the race report, Forestville and Harlow Lake Loops, the first section, ski trails and double track descent. So if you haven't done this race, you're probably thinking big deal, ski trails are easy, right? You're right. They are. And after riding the rest of the course, the ski trails were fantastic and awesome. Uh, but it wasn't some flat and straight ski trail rollout either, right? It wasn't some, you know, moseying around a golf course type of ski trail. Uh, there was a few light light rollers um, over a couple of miles. And when you were, we were working uphill uh, through all of the ski hill, ski trail sections. And, and you're on grass too. It's not like you're riding hard pack. Um, when we come out of the ski trails, there was a Nice little descent down uh, some some double track and uh, hit some hit some pretty good speeds on that. wasn't you know coasting, whatever, but it was uh, yeah some 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 double track. and I think we had to make a hard left off of that double track at some point, but I can't remember exactly. but anyways, so the first section of trail. I entered the first single track with a handful of other riders, and I think a few of the guys were happy to settle back into a, a comfortable pace. Um, but I could also tell a couple other guys, uh, or riders were, were like me and wanted to stay in the gas while we were still fresh. I knew it was going to be a long race and we all ride differently. So, right. We, we all climb differently. We all descend differently. And we all carry speed differently and our momentum downhills and up them. Um, none of us, none of us out there are the exact same rider. So what me, might be right for one racer to do might be the entirely wrong thing for another racer to do I was I was feeling pretty good at the moment um, my kind of self-perceived effort was lower than what I wanted to put out and I was I was antsy and I I still remember this um, we started to get it felt like we were kind of getting a little bit bunched up and uh, on some of the as we were kind of flowing up and down you know as you get into trail right this wasn't a narrow trail this was actually a wide enough trail for us to ride side by side, if I re- remember correctly, but we, we kind of were starting to work our way uphill. And, uh, if you look at the elevation profile, as I just, I just kind of scrolled up on a report. Yeah, we, we were working uphill. Um, it, we were kind of, yeah, just, it wasn't flowing. and I hate that where you feel like you're working extra hard just because you can't ride your ride. Uh, a couple, a couple of the guys started making some moves to, to work their, their, uh, through the group I followed suit. We inevitably got jammed up at some point as we started another hill. I actually tapped off the back of of somebody else's uh, tire, and then I remember this. Somebody behind us reminded us, said something, said something about it's going to be a long race, uh, guys, or something like that. And I, I think it was a way of telling telling us that the two or three of us that were getting kind of antsy to be patient. Um, so, which I I respect that thoughts and and whatnot. Uh, but that, the fact of the matter was, and I, I wrote this in my uh, race report, it, it was going to be a, a long day, regardless. And and like you said, it's going to be a long, long day. But that's exactly why I had I wanted to get out of that situation and out of that pack, so I could ride my ride. Uh, way too long of a race for me to be stuck in a flow that wasn't wasn't working for me. That wasn't my flow. I needed some open trail to ride my own ride and work my strengths, so that I could survive this thing. That being said, it would probably do me some good to do some more wheel to wheel cross country racing to get more comfortable in these situations. Regardless, I was willing to burn a match at that point to find some open trail and settle in to my own pace and flow. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's, that's still true today. Um, you know, if you if you went through my wilderness one hundred one report, that's I struggled in uh, some of the rocky stuff, some of the the technical stuff. There was some flat trail with rocks in it that I I struggled in. I, I so I'm still struggling with that. I'm better, definitely better than I was last year. Um, I did a little bit of XC racing in the spring, and not short like four hour lap races uh, on single track. And then the Bora Epic, that all definitely helped me with my single track riding. Uh, I just I just don't get out to the single track often enough, I guess. Uh, I was never able to actually get through that pack before we came to this like completely root filled, root filled climb. Uh, it was it was wide, and then we kind of all started to split all over the place. I think I was like second or third up, and then. And then I believe this is where we hit the big rock overlook. So there's kind of went up some rooty section where the trail just kind of disappeared and spread all over the place. And then went up this big rocky overlook. It didn't look rideable to me, or at least rideable with my skills. Uh, But then somebody yelled back that it was, it was rideable. I gave it a go up the right side. I made it to that last little edge and then got jammed up and fell over. And it was one of those situations where uh you kind of feel like like the first time you put clipless pet uh you rode with clipless pedals and like hit the brakes and then couldn't get your foot out you just kind of like stopped and then fell over sideways so if you watched the there was a big like promo video for the margie gessick um yeah you can see me falling over in there (laughs) i think margie gessick shared a screenshot of that out at some yeah they scared they shared a screenshot out of that at some point and said uh like captioned it or something. Steve Hamlin taking a little break. So good stuff. Enjoy that. Um, I saw. I did. I saw people ride it. So right when I was falling over, I saw a guy ride right up through it. Um, Anyways, I got back up, hiked it to the top, and jumped back on to find myself dropping down a pretty severe drop. So you go up over the rock, and then it drops down the other side. Uh, I made it like the first section, but then I looked ahead and saw it pretty sketchy, and people were kind of scattering around jumping off bikes and um so i jumped off hiked the rest of the way down which is what a lot of people were doing however there's always that there's always that that rider right so i saw somebody uh one guy clean it like a champ all the way down so um i hiked it down but i I made it through it fairly quick but it's just that stuff i still got to work on it today um it's I've had this conversation with people. People always talk about it, like, oh I just jump off and get through it just as fast. And it's I don't know. If you can ride this stuff, you're faster. You save you use less energy, right? I mean it it takes up energy jumping on and off the bike, carrying your bike, pushing your bike. I mean a lot of the so it's one thing if you're going uphill and you're just pushing your bike up up hill, right? But if you're jumping off your bike because it's technical Um, you're not just pushing your bike. You're probably having to lift your bike up, carry your bike or, or something, or drag it along. Um, you just, if you can ride stuff, it's, it's way less energy. It's faster. That guy that rode it was gone. So Harlow Lake and the Harlow Creek sections. And so I popped out on some single track, ended up on some gravel rail trail for just under a mile, half a mile. I kept my map screen up on my GPS to help me keep in line on upcoming turns. Remember I mentioned that at the, the top of the report. It, uh, you know, in those maps, like I've a uh, uh, Garmin Edge 510, uh, which they, they don't make yet, but I'm, I'm still nursing mine along. Um, you know, and that really twisty stuff, like on my Edge 510, it's not super helpful. Um, but like I said, you hit, pop out on a straight section, the thing is, if you get out on some straight trail at the Marji Gessick, you're not going to be on it for very long. So take a look at your GPS and, and get an idea if you're making a left or a right or what's going to happen and how soon. Um, this that's one of the areas I found it the most helpful. So so I, I was pretty comfortable at this point. Um, I was on my own. I could see some people in front of me, could see some behind me, but I, I had enough space. I could I could ride my own ride, flow through the trail at my own, you know, my own comfort level without holding anybody up. Or being held up myself. So I turned off the rail trail. And onto some single track that flowed along Harlow Lake. And then dumped us back out on the road. We went up a road a couple hundred yards. Before it forked left. And dumped us on an old railroad bed. And when. I wrote this stuff in my race report. But when I say old railroad bed. I literally do mean an old railroad bed. As in the old railroad ties were still there. So there was like a lot of the ground was filled in between the railroad ties, but I would say like at least half the railroad tie was exposed or like a quarter of it at least. And so I don't know if you've ever ridden down a railroad ties before, you know, that it just like both tires, dry, it just doesn't flow. Um But yeah. And I'm, I'm sure it was it's like, this is old mine like, mining area. So I'm sure it was like remnants from old mining days or whatnot, but And I I wrote this in my race report too. It's important to know about all this stuff because when you look at the course map, you may get the idea that there were some nice recovery straight and flat trail in various sections. But as you will learn as you follow along in this audio version of the race report or have read my race report, um, there was usually some type of a catch to all of these areas. And uh, so that's I don't. Know. I, I, so I'm going to try to share share a lot of that stuff with you. So whether the course is exactly the same or not, I'm assuming to be it's got to be probably somewhat close. Um, are just as I mentioned at the top of the report, there just wasn't a lot of recovery. So if you're looking at the the course maps and the and what non elevation profiles, so you might have looked at this section and went, "Oh yeah, so we're going to come out of that. We're going to dump on some rail trail, easy peasy, piece of cake," like my kids say. Not the case. Uh, you weren't going to take your hands off the bars to feed while you're going down this old railroad bed that was literally an old railroad bed with the railroad ties still in it. Anyways, um, we got off the old railroad bed and there there was uh, some nice single track in the woods. So uh, I had another guy come up on me pretty fast. I let him go by. Then we hit the section that I call Roots and Endless Rock Gardens. The trail started to turn more challenging after crossing over a rocky area near the lake. There was no natural flow to it. It made you work for every up and down with a natural landscape and an ageless forest that was a bit majestic in the morning dampness. It was good old-fashioned mountain biking and I loved it. I came up on a guy who raced the Margie Gessick the previous year we chatted shortly. He had mentioned that this was not the time to push and that the last 15 miles would make you hurt. I paced him for a little bit. And then I eventually went around him as we started to get caught by some folks behind us. And I did not want to get sandwiched up again on the trail. So I, I remember that. It was, so, oh, this was like just old, you know, raw single track, just good riding stuff that none of it like flowed from one to the next I mean you just had to work through it it was nothing flat just a kind of a constantly like up and down not climbs just up and down little hills and um it's great great riding but yeah I was I remember at this point I was like I'm gonna get sandwiched up again here in the single track so I just like I need to move um I, and I, I wrote some notes in here about this too this kind of went off the trail a little bit but not not off the trail, but I guess off topic a little bit, but in the in the um as far as details of the the course but I guess from the the races I've done and, and there's different opinions out there you can read some some different things about this, but i'm I'm of the opinion, and based on the experiences I've had that like as time goes on throughout these really long races, like I'm gonna fatigue. My power is going to drop regardless of how hard I go out at the start of the race. At at some point, you spend six, seven, eight hours on a bike. Like you're just, you're going to fatigue and be tired regardless. And, you know, you can only train for so many hours. I mean, you train, you try to train past five or six hours on a bike. I mean, you do a six hour training ride, like you're going to have to recover from that training ride. So it's, um, I don't, in my mindset last year going into this is that, um, I, and so let me, like, let me clarify that too, right? If you go and blow yourself up at the beginning and and spend 40 minutes and above threshold, like that, that that's probably going to impact you later in the day. Uh, I guess, I guess where I'm going is, um, the difference between going out at a, I had a hard tempo versus an endurance pace. It's like, just again, from my experience, I feel like my power and uh, force output is going to drop with a great fun- uh, time being a greater function of the equation later in the day uh, than the effort that I'd put out at the beginning of the race. As long as I'm feeding properly. I mean, there's a lot of variables that go into it, right? Um, but anyways, just just the experiences I've had from doing various various races so um, anyways back back to the back to the race itself if i if i remember correctly there was a and i wrote in my report when i was writing at the time that if i remember correctly there was a short section that smoothed out through the woods before i hit some more root rooted ups and downs and then some serious rock gardens every time i thought that Maybe some of the rough stuff was over, right? So like I said, we popped down a little bit of smooth trail. I'm like, ah, good. It's going to get a little bit of recovery here. Maybe I can take a gel or something or, you know, eat a waffle or whatever. Like there's then there, but like more rock gardens will show up or more rudy sections. Um, I was pretty happy about running a bigger tire up front. So I, prior to this race, I had, I used to run the Conti. I guess I call them Cross Kings, the X-Kings uh, protections. Uh, I still run them. I, I, so I had the 2.2s, and they, they run pretty narrow. And I did not like it as a front tire just because it's narrow. Um, I mean, I, I liked it, but it just seemed like I – like I said, it was it was kind of narrow. I, it just didn't seem to have the traction in the corners and then rolling over rooty stuff. Just it didn't seem to roll over that great. I didn't have anything to compare it to anyway, so I went to the 2.4 version of it, which is probably not a true 2.4. I bet it's more like a 2.3 or 2.35 or something. However, in my opinion, a huge difference. So same tire, the Conti X-King going to the 2.4. That's what I had on the front. I bought another brand new one this year and put it on the front. And I really like it. Um, I was happy about running that bigger front tire. Um. I, I was also pretty pumped about how much of the rocks I was able to ride. I think I remember looking down the trail here and going, like, if I stop, I'm probably not going to get going again. So um, I think I, I rode, like, most of it. And then it popped out on uh, – and it, it wasn't, like, a short rock garden eater that you find at, like, the the local single track, um, you know, in, like, some of your neighborhood. It was, like, I could see down – it was just rocks for a long time. Anyways, you popped out of, out uh, at the bottom of uh, Beagle Club Road. So next section of trail I've got called here in my report is the climb to Forestville Road and down to the North Trail Loop. I didn't, I, probably at the time, I didn't really know what to call it, so I was just trying to come up with names to call these sections of trail. So I had about a 300 foot climb and just over a mile to get up to. The Forestville Road, where there would be a little recovery on one of the few smooth sections. So I think I mentioned this. This is uh, probably twenty, close to twenty miles into the race. I guess uh, I can't remember in my, <laughs> yeah, in my chart in my report. It looks like I have time. So um, it's about an hour and twenty-three minutes into the race at this point. So climb wasn't terrible, but it wasn't a climb I could knock out with a a short burst either. Uh, I settled into a comfortable pace and worked my way up on my own. Wasn't alone. There was, I could hear some folks behind me. I knew there was somebody out in front of me, Uh, but the traffic was definitely, definitely thinned out. I think last year, last year was the second year of the race. And I think there was some concern about, oh, is it going to be too much traffic? Because there was, I mean, the race number of racers grew just ridiculously dramatic. I mean, just a much larger race last year than it was the very first year. And um, no, nah, I mean, between the 0.4 mile run and then the ski hills and all that stuff, I mean, traffic thinned out pretty quick in this race. So um, anyways, the uh, I popped out on Forestville Road, started my descent, there were, there were a few sandy spots, but there, there was actually some true recovery here. What a very few downhills in the course where you actually had uh, a little bit of recovery. Uh, I passed by the drive that went into the area that we started, kind of looped back around, and then made my right-hand turn to enter more trails. I did not actually recognize this trail at the time, but then after I got back to looking at the ride files, I realized that We had kind of popped out on Forestville Road near that same point uh, in the Order Shore race and then hung a right-hand turn in this exact same spot. Uh, It was a very short trail section. Don't really remember much of it. I still don't. Uh, I I thought there maybe was like a rock or something, an entrance that you kind of split one way or the other. Um, So I, uh, I quickly popped out of the trails. I think that's where we crossed the railroad tracks. Uh, and then I had definitely recognized this trail from the Order Shore race. So I think this was like the new single track in the Order Shore in 2016. And uh, I wrote in my race report But it, that uh, I thought it was kind of funny to think that the only single track in the Order Shore was some of the easiest and fastest single track in the Margie Gessick. So here we are. A uh, whole other, I guess, grouping of trails that I'm calling it. In, in my race report, Marquette North Mountain Bike Trails. So this is the North Trails loop to Forestville Road. So it was, it was nice to be on some familiar trail for a short period. And this is me referring back to that trail that was shared with the Order Shore uh, race. By the way, if you haven't done the Order Shore race, I recommend getting up there and, and doing that's a That's a really good race too. Uh, just a, a well-run event good time. So it, it offered a little bit of recovery, uh, as there was a little bit of, um, flow downhill minus your typical ups and downs and some single track, but it, uh, it wasn't the most technical of single track. So I don't want to say like recovery as in like hands off the bars and that type of thing, but, um, you know, it was, there wasn't endless rock gardens that were working you over the entire time. The North Trails were a mix of fast and flowy trail, contrasted by a few really tight, rooty sections. There was a, there was a few like really tight sections between some like trees and like roots and, uh, but like there was also quite a bit of it. It was, it was pretty fast. Uh, the North tra- Trail Loop ended with a sweet, flowy string of switchbacks, and, and this is kind of funny. So if, if you look at the GPS file, it looks like this this part that I'm referring to. Uh, was some straight like rail trail section. But if you look closer, you'll you'll see that it, it kinda twists back and forth. Um it, it was a little sandy as well. And um not to mention it was actually uphill. So uh <laughs> I I wrote this in my race report, right? So you know you have ridden some tough stuff already in the day when anything uphill feels flowy. And that is kind of kind of funny to think about actually. So yeah, I remember, I remember, I remember hitting that and, and going, ah, some, some flowy like switch, you know, it wasn't like switchbacks. It was just kind of a weaving. you know, and then <laughs> write my race report up later. I'm like, that was actually uphill. Uh, so Forestville, Forestville Road to M28 hit some pretty nasty sections and there was some single track of this that was, that was uh, pretty tough. Um, so I came to the Forestville road crossing where, and there was actually some, some folks out there directed me across the road to the, the trail on the other side. And, uh, the trail was straight and then came to an opening where we had to hang a right. Uh, right before I made the turn, I remember seeing, I saw two guys like way up the trail, they had missed their turn. So again, this is, um, uh, this was those sections where, you know, having the GPS was helpful. Actually, if I remember back to there, maybe there wasn't a, Maybe the sign was kind of like after, like around the turn, uh, but anyway. So I was, I was looking at my GPS to just kind of see if there was a turn coming up. So, um, I yelled out to him, "Hey, you know, back here, whatever, right hand." Uh, so they, I, they turned around, jumped in behind me. One of them yelled out, "Like thanks, green helmet guy, or something like that." So we, we made a left. I uh, had a short descent to a small parking lot. So we, we, I, I think he popped out on like a little gravel road, shot downhill to a parking lot, made a left in the parking lot, went out uh, the other side of it and made a left up, up a trail. So the, the trail, this was like a really rough and steep and narrow uh, trail. That basically continue to kind of climb and, and twist, uh, uphill. I think I, I was, I was forced off my bike at least once, probably a couple times in this section. Uh, there was one like really steep section that I had to jump off. There was a guy coming up behind me. Um, I thought he was going to make it kind of gave him a good quick shout out, but he had to bail too. Um, so I eventually let him go by me as, as, uh, he had been catching me through the whole section. Anyways, I, mean, I just this was a, this was a, was It was narrow, old, rugged, single track. Um, and, I, and I think you were climbing like the entire time in it. So we eventually came out behind some shopping centers and we're headed down to M28. Uh, that's kind of the main highway up there. Um, I kind of sat up a bit when we hit the pavement, soft pedal my way down uh, to the left-hand turn. There were some ribbons set up there. Uh, there was a volunteer aid station right here, and so I don't know what the mileage is there, but that was close to three hours into the race, I guess. Um, and yeah, maybe I should go back and uh, I should probably go back and do redo my graphs in my elevation profile screenshots in the report, because um, it's got time in there instead of distance, so... Anyways, uh, I, I finished the race in 1225 first half of the race. I was on a little faster pace and slower in the back half. So I don't, maybe the time is actually more helpful to, uh, kind of, if you're, if you're using my report to plan your nutrition and that kind of thing. So anyways, so to get us across the highway, they dropped us down into like the, the drainage ditch underneath it, which was wet and, and rocky. Um, but it was it was it was nice. I, I beforehand I remember going, how are they gonna like where are they gonna get us across the the highway at? So but yeah, so we went through the drainage ditch up the other side and uh then you kind of were going down a little uh a couple hundred yards up a little paved road. So getting to the south trails, this is just a little short section, but so I had gotten caught by three or four racers in the drainage ditch under M twenty eight. So there's a little small group of us so we kind of had to work up this um, little road and then kind of came to kind of teed at another road and there was kind of across it was a, a park and a bike path or at least I can't remember exactly what it was I think it was a park anyways there was a, there was a bike path so kind of made a right and then a quick left on a bike path and because uh, I remember one of the guys made a right and was going to keep going up the road I yelled down to him Um, again, you can do this thing without, you know, you could probably do it without the, the GPS, but I, I I think you're crazy not to have, have the GPS loaded up just because of, you know, this isn't like Appalachian mountain area where, you know, you've only got like one choice of places to go. Um, you know, there's just, there's just a lot of opportunity, uh, uh, for air. So it's the, the, GPS will keep you on track. Uh, if you happen to get off track you shouldn't i know uh i talked to some people they said they didn't look at their gps once and never had an issue so anyways we uh we turned up the by the way too so after that after we crossed 28 on the drainage ditch and there was that little section of pavement there there was like there's spectators and people all over the road there um like if if you didn't get water at the Volunteer aid station was prior to that. I'm sure you could have stopped and somebody filled your water up. I saw people with water jugs. I mean, it's the, whether that was like racers families or sag support or just people in the community. I mean, the, the community, the Marquette, Nagani Ishmael communities really, really rally around, um, the bike community and the events because it's such a big, big part of it. So, um, I, just from my experience anyways, between doing this race up there and the order the shore, uh, and then just going up there to ride, uh, on occasion, limited occasion, but I, I have gotten up there to ride just for fun. Sometimes we hit the bike path. It kind of, it seemed like we were kind of going to form like a little pace line. Um, but it was going to move a little faster than I wanted. I think it was like sitting like second in line. And so I actually, I had eaten a waffle on the couple, that couple hundred yards of road that we had. And then I was like, still hungry. I knew I was running low on my carbo rocket. I had kind of drank through that pretty fast. And I was just, yeah, I, uh, it was, I had put in a pretty good effort and I burned through some fuel for sure. So, uh, I, I kind of soft pedaled and I ended up letting, uh, three or four of them, whoever, how many it was, they kind of rode off ahead of me. I knew we were going to be hitting single, single track at like soon anyway. So I didn't really want to hit the single track with um being being wheeled up with other people anyways, so uh one of them actually when they did make their turn, they waved back and kind of pointed to make sure I saw where the the single track cut off the off the bike path there. So Harlow Farms connector trail, so I made the tight right hand turn onto some single track and was feeling pretty good. I had uh eaten a couple of waffles, drank my water, uh, my, as I mentioned, I was concerned about my my carbo rocket supplies. Uh, because I had not planned to actually refill my cobra rocket until Nagani. And, uh, it was getting pretty obvious to me that I was going to run out. So, uh, that, that was a, which was part of the reason, like I mentioned that I ate the extra waffle. So I, and I was, I was also thinking that that volunteer aid station that was at the, going to be at that main trailhead. I was, for some reason, I was thinking it was going to come a little sooner than it actually did. So whether my pace dropped off dramatically or whatever was going on, I just, took me a little longer to get there than I thought it was going to. So the trail was nice and smooth. It was, uh, this was definitely newer style of trail. And even though uh, it was slowly gaining elevation the entire time, it it just seemed like it took less energy to to get through it. Uh, (laughs) Refer to my comment earlier, right? When anything uphill feels flowy, you know, you've ridden some rugged stuff earlier. So I popped out on a road again. Uh, I came up upon one of those guys that uh, had been in that group that got away from me on the rail trail, that had apparently fallen off. I think uh, I think he was grabbing some fuel himself. Uh, the road section was like really really short, um, and then I tucked in behind him as we hit the single track. Uh, wasn't far up the new single track that the pace was feeling a little bit too comfortable, so I I made my pass and just started working up the trail on my own. I had not ridden this trail before. So this was a new trail to me. Um, I mean, I actually pretty much everything in the morning was all new to me, except for that, whatever half mile or mile of order shore stuff. So, um, but it was still some nice, clean trail and easier ride. Uh, I think I was more than three hours into the race by now. So there was some obvious fatigue, uh, but I, I wasn't feeling like my power had dropped or anything like that yet. Uh, and I, I kind of – I went into the race feeling like I, I was very confident that I was going to be good for the first four to five hours. And I, I wasn't sure how it was going to go after that. Um, So – and I think I might have I, – I talked about this earlier, but my intention going in was knowing that at some point, right, this race was long enough that, you know, it's one thing like a six-hour or seven-hour even an eight-hour race is one thing. But like when you're going to be out there for the 12 hours, I knew at some point things were going to fall off. And so I guess in my head, I was like, I want to get as far down the course as I can before, like, as a function of time, I just start falling apart um, just from being on the bike for so long. So Pioneer Trail Loop. Um, so if you look at the south... The Marquette South Trails, the Harlow Farms Connector Trail would normally dump you right into the Pioneer Loop, but they did take us on kind of a little jaunt um, out away from the Harlow Farms Trail before we before we hit the actual Pioneer Loop. So at this point, I was on some familiar territory. I had actually ridden this loop a few times the previous previous summer. So it's most it's mostly smooth and flowy, and uh, there's a great little like swoopy flow section that actually has got a few jumps in it. My concentration at this point was, I was just, I was trying to make take the most efficient lines that I could, um, pumping over the jumps and to maintain some speed, uh, which was something I was, I remember last year I was trying to kind of work on that, my like ability to pump over the berms and that kind of thing and maintain speed. Um, so I had two riders come up on me as we made the loop around the golf course. And you're not like on the golf course, but you can, you're in the woods, you can see the golf course. I want anybody to think like, oh, we're just taking a nice little cross country cruise around a golf course. No, you're in the woods, um, around the outside of a golf course. Um, so I eventually let them buy, tried to kind of hang, hang on their wheel for a little bit, but I, I fell off. They were on a, they were on a faster pace than I was, um. Shortly after that, I I passed a different rider. Uh, Just before opening the field area, I was caught and passed by another racer. And I chased him over the open field uh, all the way up to Smiley Trail before losing him near the top. Um, So the trail is then reconnected back onto the south portion of the Pioneer Loop at this point. This trail is a little rougher, and uh, I had ridden it in the past, but from a different direction. Um and actually, if I remember correctly, I might have kind of jumped over that one a little bit in my race report, but uh you know what, I that's another section of trail that is if I remember is is pretty rocky uh and rough. As I'm going back through this report, I'm starting to remember um there there's there's a lot of rocks. So and I'm just thinking about it because I had some conversations with some folks um at the the wilderness one oh one a couple weeks ago which where there's tons of rocks um about whether there really was that many rocks at the Margie and you know that the whole conversation I was talking about kind of at the top of the report about what makes this thing so hard. It's just you're constantly working up and down. There's very little smooth trail, whether it's roots or rocks or whatever it is. But yeah, as I go back through this it's be ready. It's it's rocky. Um and so this next section of trail was called uh, A-Line Jump Trail. Not as in like the letter A, but as in the, the, the Uber, U-P, uh, don't you know A. Um, so the E-H kind of A. Anyways, so I popped out into the opening at the top of Benson Grade. And uh, where the arrows directed me to A-Line. It was big, I mean real big berms big tabletop jumps. So I got into it pretty fast in the top section. Uh, and after a couple of jumps, got a little nervous that I was going to get carried away. And I dialed it back a little bit uh, to make sure I safely made it down. Um, it, it was, I I wrote some stuff in my race report about it. It was a riot and whatnot, but it was it was awesome. I I mean, this was like, they were like big tabletop jumps and big berms. Um, a dropper post would have been, would have been nice here because it was it was pretty, pretty steep too, if I remember. I mean, I, I don't know. I, it's all relative, right? If you don't ride that stuff, it's crazy. Where the next person might ride it and go, oh, yeah, that wasn't bad. It was, it was sweet. I flowed through that. No, no big deal. I had, I had rode in my race report. Uh, Seriously, though, how many 100-mile mountain break races have a sweet, real deal, bermed jump line in it? And uh, I thanked whoever thought about putting that in the course so maybe that was uh supposedly Danny Danny hill's responsible for most of the course so thank you hopefully hopefully we get to do that again and uh and then i also wrote that uh i assume tinker was in some kind of old school happy place and ripped through with a big old smile it was it was pretty cool uh, I, and i've ridden the the trail the south marquette trails i just had never gone down that that trail before to the trailhead aid station. Again, so this is the main trailhead at the South Marquette Trails where there was a big volunteer aid station. So I was soon across the road and worked through a, a few little trail sections that I, I didn't quite recognize. I wasn't sure where I was at. I was on course, but I didn't recognize a trail. I think I got disoriented a little bit on my location uh, by coming down that, that jump trail because I, I had actually when i would ridden that past, I, I had come down Benson grade and I thought that kind of comes out just South of the, the trails. And at any rate, um, I, I, I kind of got disoriented coming down a different way. Uh, I was thinking that we were crossing the road North of the trailhead instead of South. So, you know, um, anyways, I, I hadn't actually admittedly too. I, I didn't really look at the trail maps that much other than I loaded on my GPS, made sure it worked and could follow. Um, So I'm a little bit better at trying to look at trail maps nowadays ahead of time, but even still, I mean, like a hundred mile course, it's, yeah. Um, You're not going to memorize the whole trail. So I I eventually turned onto a trail that smoothed out and remembered this being the kitty trail loop that circles out of the main trailhead. Um, so I knew I was close to the aid station and sure enough, I could hear people and start to see the parking lot through the trees. I popped out of the woods to find one of the biggest aid station setups I had ever seen. Uh, so I, I set my bike down, um, took off my hydration pack, grabbed my water bottle and and I knew I needed some water and (laughs) I was, I was, uh, I, I was a little bit dazed at this time. So coming down the jump trail. I was, I was starting to feel it now. And, uh, I, I wrote in my race report here that I just kind of stood there and stared at all the food at the aid station for a minute. Uh, one of the ladies asked if I, I wanted some, my hydration pack filled and I, I had said to them, no, no, just top it off. And I remember her just kind of looking at me like, um, okay. And I thought about what I had said for a second, just kind of laughed. And I was like, just, just give me, man, I'm a bit dazed. I just, I need to figure out what I need. So, um, I don't know. You ever have that where you're like, you come into the aid station. You're just kind of like, just it takes you a minute. You know, you just, you got to collect your thoughts. You don't even know what you need. You know, um, you're so focused on riding and the trail and all that kind of stuff. And then you finally get to like stop and take your mind off the trail. And it's like, Oh yeah, I, I need this, this, and this. So, um, my weight, wa- my wife came walking up at the same time. Uh, I think she filled up my water bottle for me and then, um, I eventually opened up my hydration pack to add some water. Um, and like I said, I had to have the Carbo Rocket mixed in it. Um, it was just about gone. So, and at, at the same time too, I, I misjudged. I didn't realize how much longer it was going to take me to get to Nagani either. I, I just, for some reason I had this feeling like, Oh, once I make it here, I just got to go back down, back up around the ski slope. And then it's just like kind of a straight connector to the um, Nagani and I, I, I'm i thinking to myself just as I actually said that now I'm actually picturing the stuff I rode between that trailhead and there and if Todd Paquette's listening he's probably laughing um, about the uh, oh it's just a down and then another up and then up around the ski hill the up around the ski hill parts what got me we'll get to that so I uh I didn't fill up my hydration pack I kind of filled up about halfway I didn't have any more Carbo Rocket powder with me. And uh, I just, for a while, just use that water then to eat some gels or, or whatever. So uh, there was pretty much like barely any taste of Carbo Rocket in my hydration pack after that. So back to all the food on the table. I uh, And this was awesome. They were like, the ladies at the, uh, the aid station, they were like, you want us to pack you a bag? I mean, they were like, gonna like pack me pack me food to like take like pack me a lunch and um it was awesome there was so much i didn't even know what to like grab but anyways i i grabbed some donut holes uh and then like slammed like a half a coke or something and and uh, headed out all right down the south line of blue loop i followed the signs south out of the parking lot to find even more people hanging out and offering water fill-ups to racers I don't know if they were more community members or other racers sag support, but it was pretty comforting to see all this. I rolled into the trails fast, but then it slowed down quickly as I started to hit the rock gardens. Again, more rocks. So I came by another frustrated racer who was, uh, I remember this, he was, was like messing with his seat post or something. Um, he actually, he passed back by me like shortly after me going by um as we were headed up uh, uh rocky switchbacks um yeah it was just kind of like a i had, think i had to get off like multiple times here it was just it was one of those like those rocks where you just you're going uphill and so you kind of get stumbled up and then you can't get going again and so you like you look up ahead and you're like well i might as well just like walk this next section too and i mean it wasn't a ton I mean, i rode a lot of it. i just i think i had to like dab and like just i ended up just stepping off and like running my bike up some sections. Um this is, I'll get to this later with the knee thing, but I think this is where I really started to, you know how it is trying to hike with cycling shoes on over rocks and, and rough stuff. It was, um, yeah. It, anyways, it just, it wears on you. Anyway. So the trail took us up another 200 feet of elevation before heading downhill. And this wasn't, you know, so f- for you folks that are like, Oh, whatever, 200 feet. 200 feet up a gravel climb. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, big deal. But 200 feet up a narrow, rocky, rooty, with a couple of switchbacks. Yeah, that that's, takes a little bit more effort. So um. anyways, we're headed back downhill now. So this downhill portion was fun with a few sketchy spots, if you weren't paying attention. It had some steep grades with some unpredictable, rocky and root-filled spots. Always kept you on your toes. So this, like I said, like, the downhills in this race was not recovery. I mean, you you had to work. Um, the tra- this trail was another example of how this race was relentless. Right there, what there just you didn't get the recovery in those downhills like you do in a lot of other races. Um, I, I wrote this in my race report last year that like I had to bring this up because there's always this assumption, right? If you're going to climb, you to go downhill and you get some recovery. Not true. When you were going downhill, most of our downhills were technical, uh, or, ma- or making you work somehow. And um, there was there was a lot of opportunity to make mistakes in this. The downhill section of this blue trail is is one of those one of those trails. And if you've ridden up there, you you know that. So next section of trail up Mount Marquette Road. So I, fo- I soon found myself on the gravel road of Marquette Mountain. And the climb to the top of Scary Trail was underway. I could not see anyone in front of me, but I could see another rider behind. I had never made this climb before from the bottom, but I do believe I had a climb. Uh, I had climbed the top portion at some point the previous year. I think I was riding around there the previous year and popped out on a trail, and I might have rode like maybe the top part of it for some reason. Um, I, I remembered it being really steep um so the gravel uh it was loose so like i remember if, if i like stood up then you just like you'd spin your rear tire so it was you know kind of sat in i would i would drop down like a couple couple cogs on the back occasionally but I, I think i rode most of it in like granny gear if you look at the elevation profiles um uh, i don't know maybe that one's somewhere in the i don't know four or five hundred feet Maybe six, I don't know, um, but it, it's gravel, but it's it's steep gravel for sure. Scary trail. I I had never actually ridden Scary Trail before. Um, I wrote in my report that it was called Scary Trail for good reason. Uh, there were some serious steep grades over rocks. Um, I came to a dead spot between two trees where my handlebars were too wide. You, this is actually in the video, and if you watch the promotion video for the Margie Gessick there's like three three people that come into this spot with the handlebars hit the trees uh I, don't know, I think I was the first one I was in like an orange and black jersey I think I, I think it said something like seriously but I came into it pretty slow so it's not like I like come in there flying and hit it I was I was kind of picking my way down down the trail anyways I wrote in my race report that I was because I was scared I was on the scary trail but um yeah, it was just you know, and I, and I, was, I can't remember a lot of the details of that trail, um, but it was just it was just one of those where, you know, there there wasn't always like a a good line. Um, there was roots. There's some some steep rocks. Um, I had to get off. I got off a few times and, and like walked down some stuff. You know, some of that stuff I'll, pro- I'll probably build a I'll probably build a ride more of it now um it's if you have a dropper post you'll you'll definitely put your dropper down for for this section i safely made it down scary trail uh enjoyed the fun berm switchbacks at the bottom there you go so there's some fun uh berm switchbacks at the bottom of scary trail crossed a dirt road and was riding along a small river where some fly fishermen were exploring the waters i remember that I crossed the bridge to the other side and knew it wouldn't be long before some of the most hellish climbing in the race would begin or so I thought. I had ridden the first part of this the previous year and had dumped out on the north side of the ski trail but the Margie Gessick would take us around the south side. Some serious suffering started to happen here and I did a lot of walking up the steep grades. I had moments of strength and moments of weakness that were random, mixed, and uncontrollable. All kinds of thoughts, all kinds of thoughts were going through my head as I realized I was only halfway through the race and some of the toughest sections of my of trail may still be ahead. There were a couple of other racers coming up on me, but we were all having to walk quite a bit. A pain had been creeping up in my right knee and the hiking up these steep grades was really making the pain set in deep. And it was now flaring up fast. I had been doing really well up to this point. But I started to have some dark moments as I had to repeatedly get off my bike and hike while my knee pain increased. There were a few moments that I actually started to wonder if I was going to make it to the finish line. I tried to just shut out the pain and negative thoughts, ignore them, and push on. And, again, this was the... You kind of... You go across a bridge, you start working your way uphill, and it's all you, you climb it, and then you finally hit this one section that just gets on the edge of steep enough and a little bit of a like rocky, rugged enough. Um, it's not gravelly; it's like a mix of mud and rocks. And I had to get off there, and then hiking up that—that's where it started. And then around that back side of the ski hill, there was just enough up and down, and like. Those little short little hills where you just can't get up the other side of it. And uh, the on and off hiking. My knee hurt so bad there. And it was, yeah. Anyways, after each little climb, I kept thinking it was over and started to pedal down the trail again to find another steep grade. I went to let a guy go by me as I jumped off again, but he said I was doing okay and we slogged on. Finally, we reached the top and dropped down a little double track and back into the woods. I had to pull off to clear a stick out of my wheel and let another guy go by. My mind and legs were coming back a bit, and I tried to keep the guy in front of me in sight as we made the descent through the loose single track. I figured it might be good to have somebody to chase ahead at this point to help me stay focused on the ride and keep my mind off the fatigue. finally made it to the bottom of the ski hill. Soft-pedaled through the parking lot while I took in some water and some food. Crossed under the bridge next to a river and started climbing up the Carp Diem Trail. I was actually a little bit familiar with this. So uh, this is the Carp Diem and Easy Street trails. So there were no steep grades, but it was all uphill. However, the trail was smooth and flowy with a wide creek running below. I had actually ridden this a few times a previous summer. Kind of felt like I started getting my legs back. Um this this trail was was uh more typical of the stuff that I you know I would ride back home. Um I guess if I I kinda tend to re you've heard me refer to trails this way in the past, like kind of the old school, rugged, hand built, whatever it is, um trails and then like the newer style flowy uh, Imba type built trails uh so this this stuff reminded me kind of more of more of that like i said it was still going um
1: it was all uphill
0: i mean this was, um basically from here to nagani um is uphill but it was it was easier riding and uh you you'll if you're gonna do this race and you haven't done it before or if you have you'll know exactly what i'm talking about right you You hit that section like, oh yeah, it was so nice when I finally got to that, just was able to flow through that. And then you look back at the elevation profile and you're like, I was going uphill the entire time. And, uh, it just kind of puts into perspective some of the other trail that you're riding, like how much it's working you over. Um, and I was actually, I remember this time I was, I was surprised how I was feeling because I had that coming up the backside of that ski hill, um. I was, man i I didn't know how things were gonna turn out. My knee was was painful, and it just, man, it was just it was getting to me bad mentally, like everything. And I think I was putting so much focus into trying to ignore that knee pain. I was just feeling the fatigue all over, but I was actually kind of feeling like I was recovering a bit. And, anyways. So I, I felt like I needed to kind of take advantage of the good feeling and, uh, I kind of just put the hammer down and I, I rode through all this stuff pretty fast. I made really good time of it. Um, yeah, I, it, uh, I, I think it just is kind of taking a step back to going around the ski hill again. I think anytime that you're constantly getting on off the bike, the walking. So not only was it affecting my, I was, I was having this knee, knee thing that kept coming up. I don't mean to keep going back to it, but that's, I mean, that was, that was, that's what was going on in my race. Um, and, and if a heads up too, right? If you're one of those people that have, uh, you know, hip or knee or joint issues come up or whatever, just, just be prepared for you. You know, you might have that stuff come up and be prepared for it ahead of time mentally. Um, I think whenever you're on and off the bike, you know, not only do you have whatever, you can have some of those joint issues. Um, mentally, it beats you up. Right. It's depressing having to get off and walk. Like you, you don't, it doesn't make you feel like a strong rider when you have to get off and walk. And when you do it repeatedly, you don't feel good about it. And that's part of, part of winning the battle is, is learning how to block that negativity out. Um, I mean, one, one, one part of winning is being able to ride this stuff. Um, But if you can't, you know, you gotta, you can't let it beat you up mentally because I mean, I was only halfway into the race, 50 miles in, and time wise, I wasn't even halfway there from a time standpoint. So, um, it's, uh, I, yeah, I, about this time here, I think when I, when I come out of this section here, I was, I was approaching the half, my halfway point of the time, hitting that six hour time frame. So, getting to Nagani section in my race report so eventually uh came the turn off from the marquette south trails and i was on my way to Nagani. um and again this is where the gps stuff comes in handy right If if you just kind of being able to look ahead and getting an idea of to look look for those signs to to turn off so um So I found myself on some ATV type trail that was flat enough for a short period to uh, soft pedal, grab some, grab the honey stinger gel, and then I kept moving. I eventually popped out on some pavement, uh, but only lasted about a half mile before being dumped into a sandy ATV trail. This is where I was, I was mentioning earlier, right? Like I knew that we would, I knew to look for the signs to make that left uh, on the ATV trail. Because I, I would just kind of glance down at the GPS occasionally, and um, I I know people that missed that turn, so um, it was signed. There were signs at it, uh, but it's just a matter of of uh, are you looking for the signs? Sometimes you know, but it it this sandy ATV trail. It was. Uh, just suck the energy out of you so like if you look at the trail map and I I did I I didn't look at the trail map a lot but I I just when I glanced at it I was like oh we're gonna be on some like easy trail between Marquette and Nagani. that like that's gonna be (laughs) that's gonna be some recovery it was ah it riding in the sand and then um I had to walk. you had, There was some of it I had to walk. Like there's a hill that you, you couldn't ride up in the sands. So I had to walk in the sand again. Um, and I wrote in my race report that uh, this I was realizing that I had made some bad assumptions about the possibility of there being a lot of recovery between Marquette and Nagani. Um, I soon came to what was called the worst aid station. And I was thankful as heck because I was out of water. Um, and I, I assume this is the same thing. So I had saw, I'm going to throw this in here and mention this. I, I, um, I don't know who all the other groups were that were running some of the other aid stations, but this one in particular, I just happened to see a Facebook post from the Margie Gessick, uh, within the last couple of days that said that, you know, they had heard that, Uh, the quick stop bike shop might be setting up the worst aid station. So I'm going to, I'm going to go on a limb and make an assumption that the last year's worst aid station, as it was titled, there was a huge sign out on the trail was also being run by the same folks, the quick stop bike shop, uh, up in Marquette. So shout out to them. Um, they were, they were great they uh they were like yeah, they are having a good old time they had a they had a grill going they were cooking brats making grilled cheese sandwiches they had water cokes um uh, donuts out there uh they filled up my water bottle uh made me a grilled cheese sandwich um i had had a half can of coke um yeah it was exactly what i needed at that point so it was uh, it was just funny cuz it was you were on this like sandy atv trail and it was just kind of felt like you were in the middle of nowhere, and then they saw this big sign it was kind of if I remember it was like maybe spray paint or I don't know like the worst aid station, and then you come up on it and you're like it was perfect perfect place, perfect timing because um yeah, anyways, uh so I finally arrived. In uh, I think I'm I'm even skipping over some some things there. Yeah, so after that, I was I was watching my odometer and I was thinking that that Nagani was like at the 65 mile mark and I'm thinking that when I just like filled up my water bottle and not my hydration pack at you know quote the worst aid station, um is that I only had like two miles or so left before Nagani, but I actually had like five it turned or it, I'm sorry, not five. It turned out to be seven. So I, I think Nagani was actually more around the 70 mile mark. So, um, yeah, because I had wrote in my race report that I was, I was thinking it was only a couple miles away, but it, it turned into another seven miles. Uh, I had to walk a couple more times in some deep sand, and then I finally got some real recovery on a section of paved rail trail. So there was actually, um, a little bit of a rail trail. I, I do remember that section. Um, but it was like you said, you're still going uphill. Anyways, I finally arrived to find my wife anxiously waiting for me. Um, so some notes I wrote in my, my race report here is, uh, so, um, it, and it's those that you follow along a lot. Like my, I'll go to these races and like my, my wife and, and kids will come and kind of jump from race to race. It doesn't always happen. I'm, I've, I, I'm, I go to some of them here by myself too, because I I just don't want to wear them out on it. Um, this this worked out because we have we have family up there, and so my my kids hung out with their cousins and stuff, and so my my wife actually was just out following some of the race, chilling on her own. But um, I wrote in my race report here that uh, she worries a bit for me out there, and then gets gets pretty excited to see me kind of pushing pushing through it. So sometimes I I think I am calmer at aid stations aid stations than she is. Uh, but she takes great care of me and is always making sure I have everything that I need. Uh, as I'm racing on the bike and she is chasing me through the course, I feel like this is something we're accomplishing together. Anyway, so it is it is really awesome to have my my wife out there and kind of getting into it. And I think she um, she kind of gets gets into it, right? She's like kind of living the race through me a little bit. But it's yeah, it's it's like a like a team, right? Like the um. um you know, helping me out with like with the, the sag support and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's cool. So like I ride and she's following through it, but it's, it's something we're, we're still doing together. So I, uh, thanks babe. Appreciate all the, uh, chase me around out there with the, with all these bike races and everything. So, um, so I had started swapping stuff out. So in my drop bag, like like I mentioned at the top of the report, I had, um, a, a pre-mixed, like a brand, a uh, fresh bladder of carbo Rocket for my hydration pack, um, that I just, I swapped, swapped in. And I, I think I, uh, now I now I remember why I did that. I don't, I think the little cooler I was using, like the whole like hydration pack wasn't really going to fit in there well. So I just did the bladder. And then I was also keeping my like poker chips from the, uh, there's the well, last year. Anyways, there was four of them who I have no idea what the plans are for this year. Uh, but they were like super easy to spot along the trail. But the forced botch you had to stop and grab your, your poker chip. I was like zipping those into my hydration pack. So it was just easy just to keep the same pack and just swap the bladder to versus getting to the finish line and realizing I had left my poker chips in my drop bag 35 miles earlier. Anyways, um, I, I, had, uh, I had some like backup, those like honey stringer waffles, some gels, and then. Uh, I was also last year. I was using some of those uh, Jelly Belly Extreme Sport Beans. I have not actually gotten into those this year. Um, you know, I did kind of like those though, uh, the the caffeine versions. Anyways, I I changed my socks. I put a fresh pair of socks on there, uh, and then I um, I had I had like packed a few of, was like the and pickles in my drop bag because I don't know those things are just awesome. And uh, then was on my way. So here we are, Nagani and Ishmael Loop, Um, mile 70 to mile 90. I was feeling relaxed, somewhat recovered, and in good spirits as I rode out of Nagani. I hit the staircase and still had the energy to clean it. So (laughs) not as easy as my pre-ride the previous day, but I made it up and over without a problem. For those that don't like just follow along. So when you leave out in a, there's, there was actually like a half a staircase or I don't know, maybe a third, but it was like, you had to ride up the staircase. And I remember, I think it was the day before the race, somebody posted on Facebook, tagged the and said something about, um, because they're about 10 feet past the, the staircase was like a paved trail that, a normal trail that they could have, you know, taking us around the staircase and up that trail and then got us back on the, and the single track. Somebody posted a picture of, you know, the staircase and then the trail rail trail, you know, 10 feet over. And was like, there's a perfectly good trail, you know, a few feet over, but yet we have to go up the staircase. And, uh, I, I can't remember what the response was, but I just, I just remember that posting for some reason. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So we rode up the staircase and, uh, about, 70 miles into a race. Um, So as I rode out of Nagani, I noticed remnants of sidewalks wandering off in the woods of deteriorated and overgrown old roads. So I have to believe that uh, we were riding out through what was left of an old mining town. There's a lot of of old mining history uh, in the area. So the next miles of trail quite honestly blurred together as the fatigue set back in. I was behind my planned pace at this point, but Nagani was also five miles further than I had planned. So I thought, ah, maybe I was going to, maybe I'd be going to be okay. Regardless, I still thought I was plenty safe. This is, this going back to my race report on, you know, regarding the 12 hour mark. Uh, I quickly hit the rocky, rough and twisty stuff that I had heard about. Uh, This was definitely different a different type of terrain and trail than that what I had ridden in the Marquette South trails. Um, This was rugged, rocky, and relentless. There was no break. The short, punchy climbs could get steep and the jagged rocks were all over. Switchbacks were tight and the pace would obviously be slower than it was earlier in the day. So the rocks on this trail, um, yeah, and folks can correct me if I'm wrong, comment in and Um, whatever I'll, you know, obviously this is going to be posted on Facebook uh, or a link to the, this, and then, uh, I'll have a page on the website, but this, this, a lot of this rocks, these were like the, kind of the broken up rocks. Um, I, I think it's because a lot of this area was like, this was from the the mining area. So, So that's why it was all kind of broken up. So this is the sharper, sharper rocks, jagged ones. So. You know, this is as far as tire choice is not a not a race to run a, it's not a race to run a light tire on. Uh, I will be running my 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 Conti uh, X King Cross King, whatever you want to call it, two point four on the front, and I will be running the protection versions of those Contis. And on the rear, uh, I I am actually going to instead of running the Cross King or X-King, sorry. I am going to run the Conti Race King. I've never run that tire till this year. Uh, I am gonna run the protection version of it. So you know it's a little bit heavier. It's got a little, little stronger, tougher sidewall. Um I, I I but I run them tubeless and um I ran that combination of tire at the Wilderness 101. I was pretty happy with it. So that race king you would think doesn't have the traction and whatnot of the X King, but, uh, in wet and even loose stuff, I've surprised how much traction it's actually had. And supposedly it rolls faster. And I feel like the 2.2 of the race King is actually a little wider than the true width of the 2.2 X King. So, um, that's the combination. tire I'm going to run. Um, I would, I would say many folks probably – there would be some folks that would tell you to run a, a, probably a burlier tire than that 2.2 Race King. Uh, but I, that's how I'm going to roll with it this year. I, I like the idea of at least the burly tire up front, and since I've run the protection versions of them, um, I think I'll be okay. So, Anyways, I came across some really awesome views along some of the steep edges. Uh, I remember making a tight right-hand turn at a big caution sign. It had a like this really crazy steep drop off on the other side of it. Um, this was a spot, and I wrote this in the race report. I, I would have loved to just like just laid my bike down, and just sat there and like stared off into the the view for well, the rest of the day <laughs> till til the sun went down, and then had somebody come pick me up. Um, uh, but anyways, couldn't do that. I was in a race, um, uh, time was of the essence, so i I can't quite remember exactly how many, but I know I got passed by a couple of riders um in this this area, so my lack of skills in like this natural kind of rugged rocky hand built single track was was uh was starting to show show its ugly face it was i just remember back to it it was it was just really really slow going and i um i yeah like if you were if you were a runner, like there's probably some sections where like runners might have went faster, just because they didn't have to push a bike with them, um, or like just paddling was—it was just a lot of work. Like it was just, it was hard. It was—it was, it was just—it made, it made you work. At some point, we got dumped out on a rail trail through Ishpeming that took us right by the finish line. Finish was so close but yet so far away. And I had no idea what was still in store for me. I headed back up into some twisty, rocky trails and then eventually found myself climbing up an old, deteriorated road that I remembered pre-riding up the day before. There was another rider headed up it, and I just followed in behind him as we hit the last single track along a ridge. I really have to work on my off-road riding skills, and I think this is going to take some trips outside of my immediate local trails to do that. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I've... Um, yeah, I just don't... I I'll, I need to get up to uh, probably Duluth. It's weird. So I live like an hour and a half south of Duluth and I've never ridden Duluth yet. Um, but I don't know. Since last year, I have had the opportunity to ride a little bit. I, the wilderness had a lot of opportunity to ride some rocks there. Um, but so i i knew the fatigue had set in deep by now as the 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 last 20 miles of trail pretty much just kind of all seemed like like a blur and i if you've noticed right and if you've read through my race report you'll know that toward that end of the race like my my details of the actual trail itself kind of diminished um that that 20 mile section from start to finish um you know, it stayed relative. It was the same elevation, but just constant up and down. Like, just almost no flat trail. Uh, Rudy, Rocky, switchbacks, just the, the entire thing made you work. I guess that's all I can can say about it. Um, I don't know how it'll be set up this year for 2017, but in 2016, you kind of popped out of the trail and then you could take a left or a right. So a left would take you back into the park where your drop bag was at if you needed anything out of your drop bag. But but you actually took a right to continue racing. Um, so you didn't just naturally fall, you know, ride back through by your drop bag. But if you wanted to get to it, you could kind of take a left, go uphill. I don't know. I can't, I don't know exactly what it is, maybe 20, 30, 40 feet and then drop back into the park. I did not do that. Um, I had actually had my lights mounted on my bike, uh, since the morning. I had two small lights on my handlebars at like 300 lumen lights. And I had another light in my drop bag that I could throw on my helmet. Uh, but I, at this point I knew I wasn't going to be out there into the depths of darkness. And I was still on pace of finish before dark anyways. Um, but I, uh, I saw my wife right before the 90 mile timing checkpoint. So I, I, topped off my water bottle. Um, I, I had two hours to cover the last 15 miles to, uh, the finish line to claim a belt buckle. And uh, I was a little concerned about it because I had heard that this last part was like the toughest part of the race, but then I, I thought I was still in the clear. I figured two hours to cover 15 miles. I'm, I'm, I'm good to go on that. <laughs> so yeah, there's a, there's a tip. I was at the 90 mile mark and I had another 15 miles to go. So Whatever I think I come out around 100 and 105 miles, 103, 104. Some people were reporting 110 using uh, like their wheel speed sensors. So I don't know who, who knows how, uh, exactly how far it was. So the last section here. So finishing the Gessick 100. As I headed off into the last segment, things didn't seem too bad. Uh, it was uphill but manageable, and my. <laughs> I, I remember this at the time I was thinking like my brain was kind of like almost calling bluff on the whole, like this last section is, you know, the most brutal thing ever. Um, so I, I found myself on a short gravel rail trail, right. Kind of settling in comfort I'm like I I got this, uh, dropped into some like really sweet, fast single track. Um, I was having fun. Um, it was out of all that like Rocky, rugged make you work the entire time stuff and it was feeling like I was kind of feeling a bit better for a little bit uh, so near the bottom I noticed my GPS showing me off course uh, and I, I had thought that I had followed the the signs but I had dropped through all this like flowy single track pretty fast I wasn't sure if I missed something 90 plus miles into the race I really didn't have the time to waste at this point uh, but Regardless, I didn't want to, like, ride off in the wrong direction. So I, I turned around and rode back up to the top of the trail. Um, back up to the top of the single track where the rail trail was at to double check. And sure enough, I, I had been on the right path. So I dropped back down. And it wasn't that far. out do a quarter mile, something. I don't know. Um, I had been on the right path. And, I, and then I also remembered Todd specifically saying, he said this multiple times in his, in the... Like race, pre race info is to follow signs first, use the GPS for backup. So, uh, you know, or if you get lost. So I followed the signs, dropped back down through the single track again. Uh, I popped out of the single track to enter a short section of old road. And then next the next turn is where shit got real. I can't tell you the exact order of how things went down from here on out but I just remember some ridiculous grades. The first one off the old road was ridiculous, but it was just a prelude. I remember a few steep grades that I would stand there and push my bike up the hill as far as I could, then hold both brakes while pulling myself up a couple steps and then doing it all over again till I reached the top. The pain that hit me on the backside of the ski hill was coming back fast. There was some sweet single track with a few crazy steep spots, or at least steeper than I had ridden in the past. I had a few riders come up on me at various times. They were mostly on the gas, and I knew they were chasing that buckle. It was uh, I'd, I'd let I'd let them one of them by, and then I'd try to latch on, and I'd hang for a little bit, and I could feel my body giving out on me, and like it just this is it just it started wearing on me again. Um, I was kind of rooting for them, you know, to hit that, that 12 hour mark as I, I kind of saw it slipping away from me. Um, I was, uh, I was anytime you're right, you're almost 12 hours into a race and you see guys be able to kind of take off and rip through some of the single track. It's impressive. So, um, they were, they were chasing it and I was, I was, I was about out of gas I remember coming out of uh, some loose double, coming out of the trail and, and dropping out on some loose double track where there was a climb. I could, see, I could see two guys up in front of me, the ones that had passed me earlier. I told myself I was going to make it up this climb. My knee was hurting. My leg muscles were beyond aching. But I just kept grinding the pedals. Grinding the pedals hurt less than walking. I eventually ran out of power. And bailed to hike it up the rest of the way as I watched the two guys in front of me right away. I I remember this. I remember that hill still. I could I can't tell you exactly where it's at. I even afterwards I was trying to figure out exactly. Uh I just remember that one in particular because I went into it and I was like, I'm not I'm not gonna let it beat me. I'm gonna make it. And uh I couldn't make it up it. I just I was uh legs legs were literally done in the, the worst. The worst part about it, I think that was when I, I don't know if that was when I maybe realized that, uh, the buckle was, was definitely, was definitely gone at this point. Maybe I don't, I don't know. But, um, the worst part about not being able to make that climb was when I had to walk it and my, you know, my knee hurt worse walking it, um, in the loose gravel and those dang bike shoes than, than riding it, but I just didn't have the legs to ride it, and that 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 really beat me up mentally, or I, at least maybe I let it beat me up mentally. Anyways, I'm gonna read out of what I wrote here in my report after that. So I can't tell you today, and even as I'm recording this, I still can't tell you. I, maybe I can tell you. I don't know. Well, let's we'll talk about what I've done here. But I can't tell you today if that was me not having enough mental fortitude left in the tank and mentally giving up or if I had truly faced my limit. It's a crazy intertwined mental and physical journey on these long endurance races. After 12 hours, you kind of lose track of how severe the pain is, or if it's really there. Sometimes it can be excruciating, and for whatever reason, you find something else in you to block it out and keep moving on. I had fought through it earlier in the day, but I was not finding the strength at the moment, and my goal now was to just finish. that's uh that was a probably the sign right that I, I knew that the 12-hour buckle was was floating off away from me in the distance and I I think to this day there was you know as I said I, I didn't know if that was uh me literally not having enough left in the tank or it was not being mentally tough enough uh, I think there was a little bit of both there for sure I think every time you do one of these you get a little bit a little bit tougher. Um, I also think sometimes you have to be careful. I, I When you mentally give in to the pain once, it makes it easier to mentally give in to the pain again. And I don't know when you can, when you can push yourself through it and find, um, find out, and realize that what you thought was a limit is not a limit. Um, then it has the opposite effect that you can push further the next time. So that's that's what, you know, doing all this stuff is about is it just kind of makes you, it should make you tougher, right? I suppose it, it could just beat you down too. So I, I, it's, um, I don't know. I think every time you go out and test yourself, we will get into this at the end. Um, you know, you just, you find new limits, look for harder things to do, you know, do hard things. So I tried to carry whatever speed I could through the single track as my power was completely gone when it came to the climbs. I was taking risks on the downhills to carry momentum. As I passed between a couple of trees, my bike came to a complete stop on a high route and I was catapulted over the top. I remember laying there. It just—I uh, went straight over the top. I was laying there. I looked back up the trail. I didn't see anybody coming. I just, I just laid there for a minute. I, mean, I don't know how long I laid there. I laid there for a little bit though, and uh, I just—I did not want to get up. I, I eventually pulled myself off the ground, picked up my bike, put my light back on kind of soft pedal the way my um one of my lights had gotten knocked off in the crash Uh, so I was back on some jeep jeep trails and some double track the uh it was they were relentless there was some of these climbs there there was one that was in particular I remember it um it was like a just a rock I mean it was a long jeep trail uphill and at the top of it it got so steep that like I was would slide on it and I'm yeah, I would like take a couple of steps. I'd push my bike up, hold the brakes on the bike. And then almost half try to use the bike to help pull myself up. Cause I like my cleats and stuff was slipping on this, this rock. Um, anyways, it was relentless. It was, it was beating me mentally and physically. And I just wanted it to end at this point. And then I dropped down onto a street, saw the sign headed up the trail I had to push my bike up the first part, and then got back on and started my way uphill when I saw the sign that said Checkpoint Ahead. At this point, I, I didn't know where I was at. I wasn't familiar with this area. Um, but when I saw that sign that said Checkpoint Ahead, um, I began to smile through all the pain. I couldn't even ride all the way to the top. I had to push my bike some of the way up Jasper, but I made it. I knew I would missed the 12-hour belt buckle at this point, but I was happy. I grabbed my last poker chip, leaned my bike up against a checkpoint sign for a picture, looked around for a moment. The sun had set. just kind of took in the darkening skies. Kind of looked off on the horizon. T- kind of took a little bit of a moment to uh, just enjoy it. I knew I'd be back again to finish up some unfinished business. I hopped back back on my bike, ripped down the last single track like a boss with a smile. I hit the road and saw my wife waiting for me to arrive. One last right-hand turn and I was headed to the finish line in Ishpeming. I'm not sure where I found the last bit of energy, but I had just enough left in me to do a double-fist shake in the air before crossing the finish line. In 12 hours, 24 minutes, and 10 seconds with an overall finish of 25th place. I just sat on my bike, smiled, and took it all in. I partly sat there because I couldn't really stand up straight and I just wanted to take in a moment of finishing the hardest thing I'd ever done and reflect on it a bit. I had failed at finishing, I had failed at reaching my goal at uh, the 12-hour mark. Um, But I was all smiles because my biggest goal was taking my limits to another level and finding more failure points to improve on in the future. I had accomplished both and had plenty to work on in the future. So um, I got it. I It was, yeah, we'll dive into that, but I got, I got to go back to the, when I saw my wife before that last right hand turn, because this is kind of a funny story and it just for, for you kind of want to know uh what what the UP's like and that kind of thing my wife had the truck parked there and was sitting on the tailgate just kind of waiting to watch me come by and this was a little bit after he'd come out of the the Jasper Hill and um, I, an old lady older lady that uh, had lived across that was living that lived across the street there at some point I'd like came out in her like bathrobe or something and saw my wife sitting had seen my wife sitting there watching you know watching racers come by and actually brought my wife out some carrot cake and a, and a cup of coffee. (laughs) So I just, it's kind of funny, right? But, um, I had to share that. That's, that's, uh, I guess that's one of the things I like, like the UP people are friendly up there. The, uh, the community really gets into, um, these events and really supports it. So, you know, I I recommend just getting up there, experiencing it. If you can't make the Margie Guessic race, I recommend getting up there and riding the trails, enjoying the community. Um, I'm going to read through uh, a couple paragraphs I had here from my race report, the Margie Gessick 100 Final Thoughts. So, I don't know what it is, but even though I was going through the fatigue, pain, and mental quarrel, that's what keeps me coming back or looking for the next challenge. I feel that if you've never felt that before, then you haven't physically challenged yourself enough. If you come away from every race feeling like you hammered it and haven't hit these points, then you're not going fast enough or you haven't challenged your limits. We all have different limits, but it is amazing how much more you can do once you hit the first point of thinking you're done. I can't help but want to push those limits each time and set a new standard for what I can make my body do. It's actually pretty amazing as I look back and think about all the pain and just trying to finish. Even though I couldn't make it to the top of those climbs, I somehow found the strength to keep moving forward, even if it was just one step at a time. I stopped caring at some point about how long it was going to take to finish, but I knew I was going to make it. And um, I, I wrote some stuff in here last year about... I was already I was already registered for 2017 when I posted this this race report because um, I had some unfinished business with Margie Gessick, so... And then I also wrote in here, uh, huge thanks to uh, Toppaquette, Danny Hill, the entire, anybody who helps with the Margie Gessick, uh race together, the whole crew, uh, and then the communities of Marquette, Negaunee, Ishvameen, and then all of those unofficial uh, volunteer aid stations. So it's, uh, it's good stuff. So at the bottom of my race report is... It's just a video clip, uh, just some short clips my wife had actually taken through the race. Uh, they're very short. It's not very long. And then a link to my ride file. And uh, I never actually went back and updated the reference links to add some of the other stuff. So, uh, But the only reference link I have in there right now is it says this is the only one you need for now. And it's actually the link to register for the 2017 Marjagesic because you you can still register. So anyways, this, uh, this whole thing's long enough and, you know, I, <laughs> everybody always wants to compare races. Um, I've found it very difficult to really ever compare any races, um, you know, apples to apples, cause they're all different. You know, some races have some gravel, some races, um, have some crazy rocks, but then they have a lot of gravel. And so you can never really compare anything. Like I said, the, the Mata Hay took me, uh, about 20 minutes less to do, but then there's tons of heat. So like, I think the Margie Gessick was definitely a lot more rugged, uh, and rough riding worked you over, uh, way more physically. Um, but as far as just combined toughness, it's just, there's no break in this race. You don't, um, you know, you, you, you do a lot of climbing. Uh, I think only two of the climbs are on on uh, gravel, you know. But the the you're just going up and down all day. And when you're you're climbing single track, and like I said, when you you hit some trail that feels flowy, and then you realize it was uphill, uh, I think that says a lot about the type of trail you were riding on the day. And uh, so I'm looking forward to it. the The race is. Uh, what i think almost uh coming up on a month away uh, from the time me recording this so looking forward to it i'll obviously put out another race report after the race this year and i'll i'll get some audio out again so um and hopefully i've got a a margie a belt buckle to go along with it but anyways thanks for tuning in i don't want to keep it much longer and uh just a, a couple like housekeeping type things, I guess, for the website. Uh, Keep checking things out on the resource pages. Um, And actually, like all of it, I'm trying to clean up the pages and make like good, like base pages to make it easier to access everything. So I just like updated my like about page. Previously it had like random some of the like race results from previous years in there. And, And I now that I have a page that has links to all my race reports. I can put, I'm mean, going to actually, I'll go in there and I'll put the results in there. So you can kind of, kind of see progression through, um, like in the store part there for like my personal training stuff and all that kind of thing. am going to try to make that a little easier to access. I'll doing some updates on that, all that kind of stuff. So just, just keep an eye I've got like, like I said, the books that I reference and like bucket list races that I think you should check out and, and that type of stuff. So, trying to you know make it a little more user friendly. I've had a lot of this. I've put a lot of this stuff out there in the past, uh, but I just don't think it was very user friendly, easy to get to, and that kind of thing. So, I've like I've taken it taken it down and uh, like putting it back up, and so I, I think I've got like kind of a good site format um, to build access everything. And then as far as like podcasts, you obviously can find these on Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes. Um, what are your other any of your other favorite podcast apps you should find them? I mean, if you if it's you can't find it in there, let me know. You can send an email to podcast at endurancepath.com. And uh there's also a page on the website, uh EndurancePath.com podcast. And in there will be a link to uh each podcast. So I, I am creating a page for each episode with show notes. So there will be episodes out there that I don't have an associated blog post for. Um, so even if I do have a blog post for it, I will still have a show notes page. So it will be endurancepath.com podcast slash podcast slash episode two, the number not, not spelled out. So Uh, This one in particular is endurancepath.com slash podcast slash episode nine. Thanks for tuning in. Later.